host, Mike Storm, and together we aim to solve cybersecurity challenges one principle at a time. The only way to be unhackable is to outwit the attacker. Deception is the method. Knowledge of how to deceive is the means. Taking your security personally is the motivation. This is Unhackable, your security podcast about deception and personal security. Target acquired. Let's go. Hey, Unhackable fans, welcome to this Unhackable minicast about defending your second factor. You may be wondering what that means exactly, defending the second factor. Well, let me tell you, it's actually one of the most important things that you will ever do to help to protect your identity, your finances, and just about any digital information that is accessed by using multi-factor authentication. And deception is definitely going to be the method that we have to use. And doing so can get complicated. So let's break it down. Roll the tape. We discussed multi-factor authentication in episode one. And to not overcomplicate things at the time, we used examples of getting a code on your phone or an authenticator app as a means of applying that multi-factor practice to secure locations that you access in order to defeat credential theft. Now, while the practice itself holds true, we have to consider what happens if both the username, email address, password credentials are compromised, which very likely has happened to most of us already at some point, but then how an attacker could additionally use your phone number so that they could get that code instead of you. In future Unhackable episodes, we'll look at other factors that can help for authentication, like passwordless authentication, for example, using biometrics, facial recognition, and even tiny hardware tokens that cannot themselves be replicated. But for now, let's stick with what we likely have in our hand, our phone. As long as you're using a phone for your second factor within MFA, this episode is for you. Taking over your phone number will normally allow an attacker to log into all of your social media accounts, your email, your bank, your finances, and sometimes even your business. And it doesn't stop there. Sounds scary, right? Indeed it is. And believe it or not, it really isn't that difficult at all for someone to steal your phone number. They can redirect it to their device and execute these account takeover attacks. You have to ask yourself, how many times have I used the forgot password option on a website to reset my password? Remember, all I needed was my login name, usually my email address to do this. Where did that reset go? Did it go to your phone? To your email? The attacker may already have access to these and would be able to perform the reset themselves. The worst part of it all is that once they do, by changing just a slight bit of information on that account makes the account completely unusable by you ever again. It is effectively their account now. You've been owned. Could you imagine if all of your social media, your email, your bank, and other services that you use daily were suddenly no longer yours? Man, it is just crazy to think how much that would affect us. So let's discuss the progression of how stolen information makes all of this possible. You may have heard of data breaches in the past where various things were stolen. Everything from credentials, phone numbers, addresses, birthdates, etc. How often, though, did the fact that somebody obtained your phone number actually scare you? Probably not so much for most people. They might think, well, what do I really care about my phone number? Is someone going to start prank calling me now? I would just change the number. It's as easy as that, right? Well, the reality is that if your email credential was taken in a breach and you add your phone number to that, now the attacker has everything they need to perform a password reset on MFA-based accounts. Most people list their mobile phone number in their profiles for most services that they use, 
which is the same number that's used to receive the multi-factor code in over 90% of cases. Attackers are counting on this fact. You see, in your phone is a SIM card, and that SIM card in your phone is bound to your phone number, and by simply changing the association, an attacker can have all of the data directed to, to your phone number directed, directed to them instead. Them instead. This is known as SIM swapping. SIM swapping or SIM card swap attacks, as it's officially known, is the means that attackers will use to steal your second factor from right under your nose. All an attacker needs to do it is your phone number and a public site to see what mobile carrier it lives on and some communication skills, which if they don't have them, they can buy them by paying someone to do it for them. But public sites such as freecarrierlookup.com and phonecarriercheck.com are easy and free to use for anyone, and they can give the attacker a single key piece of information. Which carrier not to call to steal your phone number and make it ring on their phone instead of yours? Well, with a SIM swap attack, there are several methods that can be used, and both begin with a social engineering scenario where the attacker must call, and by sounding official and using the power of persuasion, they're going to manipulate the person on the other end of the line. The easiest and quickest method if the attacker is just targeting one person is that attacker or bad actor will call another carrier besides the one that you're actually on to open new service. They will then ask if they can port over their old phone number to use on the new service. And of course, the old phone number that they intend to use is yours. And once they have it ported over to their own SIM card and their own phone, your phone no longer rings, receives texts, notifications, or anything. Instead, all of the data bound for your SIM card now goes to the attacker's SIM card. The most dangerous method, and also the most difficult to defend against, will involve an attacker calling, let's say, a mobile carrier storefront, and either pretending to be from that carrier's support group, or possibly even another mobile carrier store from the same company, and proclaiming, very officially now, that there's a complaint or a support ticket to close or something along those lines. Many other situations can be used as a setup, but the goal here is to get the store employee to open their browser and use a URL provided by the person on the phone to then log in to a facade of the carrier website and click something to close the ticket or close the complaint or whatever it is that they're using as their scenario. This is actually a socially engineered phishing attack that once completed gives the attacker that person's login credentials where they can go in at any time and swap numbers. Now, normally to a SIM card they already have, so there's no new service required. They don't have to do a port. I mean, there's a lot of advantages to this method. Many don't realize it, but you can actually go buy a SIM card for just about any phone on the planet already attached to just about any carrier's network on the planet on Amazon for just a couple of bucks. Then all you have to do is attach the phone number to the SIM card, which is done with those stolen mobile carrier's employee credentials or potentially the port. All of a sudden, once the attacker's SIM card has your number, your phone is deactivated and becomes completely unusable. This means all notifications, all multi-factor requests, pin values, etc. have all just been hijacked. Basically a man-in-the-middle attack against your MFA token because the token is attached to a phone number, which is not secure, and therefore potentially easy to steal. See, attackers are counting on the fact that you're using your primary phone number as your second factor for logging into critical sites. All of what I just said was designed to prove that point. 
You see, there are countless stories of people who had their credentials taken in one of these large commercial breaches. And armed with just the email address and the phone number, the attacker was now able to clean house on them completely. Many attackers will look for targets that have large amounts of cryptocurrency since it's untraceable once it's transferred, and they'll use that newly stolen phone number once it's been swapped to their SIM card to completely clean them out, and they get that money completely undetected. Well, it happens, and let me tell you, wouldn't be a fun day because cryptocurrencies are not regulated nor insured like regular financial institutions and those finances, and therefore, attackers can actually use this without detection. They can also use public sites to find out names of cryptocurrency traders who then become those high-value targets. Now, whether you consider yourself a high-value target or not, there are steps that you can take to make sure this SIM swap is much more difficult to execute. So let's get into tactics. Tactic number one, lock and secure your phone number within your carrier. Sounds easy, right? Well, it pretty much is because most carriers now offer several security options for preserving your number or making it more difficult to transfer. But normally you have to enable this functionality, which you should certainly go check right away. One setting is called number lock. Number lock is a setting that's offered by carriers to prevent an unauthorized port of your mobile number to another carrier. But this value simply prevents an unauthorized swap from occurring. Basically, a swap with zero checks can happen if this is not set. Carriers may also offer what's called a one-time number transfer pin that has to be set during the swap process anytime you want to transfer your number to another carrier. The pin is generated by you, which means that you have to go in, you have to generate the pin because you're the one that knows that you're actually changing your number or swapping your number. The pin is only good for a short time and it's only good for that number transfer. It's not used for anything else. Because you're doing this yourself, you know that this is not an unauthorized function. Now, if number lock is set, a pin generation may be required in order to transfer or port your phone number. So this is a good place to start. However, it doesn't prevent that socially engineered phishing attack from completing because the attacker may also have credentials from the carrier could log in and make the transfer themselves as an admin. Thus, adding some deception to the mix is always a good idea as a contingency. So everything in tactic number one, you definitely want to do. Number lock and make sure you understand how to use the pin if you ever want to change your number. But let's go a little further. Tactic number two. Roll the tape. Use a top secret, alternate, or dedicated phone number that's not published in an online profile as your second factor. Now, this sounds like the ultimate in paranoia, and sure, we could be crossing that crevasse, and yes, it does require paying some extra money for it, but, you know, these days, a standard mobile line with limited features can be added to your account for as low as 5 to 10 bucks a month. Many of you might be saying, okay, why would I even bother? The reality is that only about 25% of the sites that support multi-factor authentication support secondary authentication methods to something other than text or SMS. So until the services that I need, the services I use, give me a choice to use some of the more advanced technology, I have to think that protecting the continued usability of the component that I have to use is critical until they do so. And 5 to $10? A little bit of due diligence is really a small price to pay to save myself a major breach. Certainly a small price to pay to preserve your life savings, your reputation, and other things that could be stolen from you, right? Well, at minimum, at least buy you some time. 
Time to adjust your secrets before you lose everything would be a certain positive outcome of this type of activity. The reason this unique number can be effective, if it's used correctly, is that normally when a data breach occurs, the phone number that is compromised is the same one that you use to communicate with the configured service. The phone number that you add to your normal text-based profile for that company to call you if they ever need to, for instance. Using this same number as your MFA second factor is taking an encrypted secret, something that would normally be stored protected and actually publishing it in your open profile in clear text. You see, having another dedicated number that is used only for second factor requests makes it different than the phone number in your profile. So you aren't advertising your second factor unnecessarily. The MFA data that is used by most services is normally locked in with your encrypted password data. So as long as that phone number is used only for MFA requests and is never listed anywhere as a phone number in social media, email programs, bank finances, and so forth, and also things you may not consider or think about like shipping statements or online ordering, then that number is not out in the wild. Remember, an attacker has to know your number to be able to steal it in every situation. Let's deceive them and not let them know our number. That said, if your normal phone number is stolen or swapped, the attack surface has now been minimized. Just change the number, and that's all you've lost. Encrypted password databases, which is typically where this MFA token is stored, are certainly sometimes stolen, and during a breach you might hear about this, but they typically have to be decrypted before they can be used, and that can take time. Time for us to respond is really all we can hope for to give us a chance to modify our data before it can be used against us. Tactic number three. Roll the tape. So this is where I get a chance to make all of those cyber experts out there really happy with this tactic. Don't use a phone, especially SMS, for your MFA second factor at all. Most of the cyber specialists that have been listening to this podcast thus far have been saying, why are you wasting time on SIM swapping and all these other things? We just don't use our phones. Well, you know, eventually the tactic of never using a phone, never using SMS for second factor would actually be the first tactic. In fact, there's been situations as recent as early this year where gaping flaws in SMS have let attackers take over phone numbers in minutes by simply paying a company to reroute text messages. These SMS marketing tools, per se, that send directed marketing over SMS have actually made it possible to steal your phone number for all text messages for just 16 bucks, and literally no information has to be provided whatsoever. No SIM swap, no calling a carrier, none of this that we talked about, literally signing up, paying 16 bucks, and entering the number that you want to own, and you would suddenly get all SMS texts from that number. This was referred to as bring your own number, and it was a very common threat. Now, since this happened in early 2021, the carriers have stepped up and they've said, you know, we have to fix this message routing loophole. They have changed how SMS messages are routed now to prevent hackers from being so easily able to reroute a target's text messages. The adjustments were made initially to the AirLink gateway. This is the provider who routes most of the SMS messages on behalf of major carriers today. And they actually had a quote. The number registry has announced that wireless carriers will no longer be supporting SMS or MMS text enabling on their respective wireless numbers. It goes on to say... 
be aware that Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T have reclaimed overwritten text-enabled wireless numbers industry-wide. As a result, any Verizon, T-Mobile, or AT&T wireless number, which had been text-enabled as bring your own number, no longer routes messaging traffic through the AirLink gateway. This prevents the basic loophole from being exploited, at least for now. Well, so ultimately, the carrier now owns the number, and therefore, you're unable to bring this said number into a tool that's used for SMS or text messaging marketing and suddenly get all the messages from a number owned by these carriers. So that's a good thing. The industry has stepped up. In fact, the FCC has gone so far as to say that they want the mobile industry to step up and close all of these loopholes, which is something really important for us. But this puts us right back to where we were with SimSwap as the primary opportunity. If this opportunity is now gone, at least for now, attackers have to go back to their previous method. A SIM swap provides access to everything that uses the SIM card, not just text messages, which is why it's still critical to protect your number at the source by preventing SIM swapping style attacks. And that's one of the reasons why I actually waited until this point in the year to talk about defending your second factor because so much was going on. We wanted to make sure that there was some kind of closure and action taken on that before we freaked anyone out on what could happen with text messages. Now, not to say that you shouldn't be freaked out or at least a little hesitant to use a text message for your second factor, but at least we know that we can do things to help protect ourselves. One thing that is a constant in cybersecurity is the evolution of the attack surface. So this point-in-time statement that I'm making right now is not meant to say that anyone is safe forever, as certainly further loopholes could be identified and exposed. In fact, just this month in October, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, a company that routes billions of text messages per year disclosed that it was recently hacked or it recently discovered that they'd been hacked and that attackers had had access for years. So again, using SMS as a second factor, using text as a second factor, risky at best. So there must be another way, right? Absolutely. Going back to the call out on tactic number three, don't use a phone number, especially SMS for your MFA second factor at all. There are a myriad of other options here. Use a dedicated authenticator application is one of them, like the Cisco Duo mobile authenticator. Google has an authenticator. Microsoft has an authenticator. And many others exist. The key here is that your second factor is being sent directly to an authenticated, serialized, and tokenized application, which cannot be replicated simply by stealing your phone number via a SIM swap. Backup factors, also a great idea here. Using email, for example, is actually safer than using text and typically has nothing to do with your phone number. Just keep in mind that the industry moves slower than the attackers, as I called out at the beginning of the episode, so not every site has options to do MFA second factor to anything other than text or SMS. So until they add that functionality, we have to do what we can do for that SMS use case to avoid SIM swapping and heavily guarding the phone number that's used for MFA. So as a review, defending the second factor of your multi-factor authentication process is absolutely critical, and it can be very involved and potentially confusing. 
SIM swapping, message rerouting, and social engineering are factors that can make that especially challenging. So if you must use SMS or text for second factor, protect your phone number using every means possible. Use your carrier built-in tools to lock it down where you can. That will help. Use a unique number that's not used anywhere else if you can. And if it's possible on some of your services, move your second factor tokens to a dedicated authenticator application to maximize your protection. And while we can never be completely unhackable, we can certainly increase our awareness of the attacker's capabilities and motivations so we can learn to deceive them by changing our digital behaviors and implementing cybersecurity best practices that make us a harder target. And of course, to ultimately make our information harder to steal. In the infamous words of Sun Tzu, the greatest victory is that which requires no fighting. I hope that you will find the techniques and tactics that you hear on the Unhackable Podcast to be useful. Our digital well-being and the future of other generations depends on all of our efforts combined. This is Unhackable, solving cybersecurity challenges with grit, one principle at a time. This is Mike Storm, and until next time, thanks for listening.